Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Queer Clergy Mom. Today, we're talking about heterosexism. It has been such a long time. I'm so sorry for the delay in recording and uploading. Life has just been much busier than expected. And now with the Christian liturgical season of Advent coming, life is moving at such a fast pace. I really have a hard time keeping up with everything right now. But welcome back. I always start each episode by telling you what I'm drinking. I don't know. I think it's a good way for you to get to know me a little better and invite you to commune with me in this space too. So today I'm drinking a Dr. Pepper. This is my vice. I'm recording this podcast on a Sunday afternoon and after a morning of worship and youth responsibilities, I like to treat myself to a cold pop while the time passes until our evening youth group. It just hits the spot after a busy morning in a way that not much else does. So I invite you to grab your favorite drink today as well, maybe a coffee or a tea or a cold pop, and uh, join me in communing as you listen to this episode. I have many joys from the last month. Our son just turned four months old and he has started to really engage with us, which has been such a fun transition to watch and to experience. One of my favorite things that he's doing right now is when I stand him up facing me and talk to him and make faces, he squeals back and makes faces in return. I will also hustle in the morning if I hear him waking up before I leave for work because I have come to love his first morning diaper change and changing him into his clothes for the day. He opens his sleepy little eyes and smiles and just makes my whole day. In fact, uh, one morning, Amanda is still working from home mostly, and one morning I was just starting to eat my breakfast on the couch, and I heard him cry out and assumed he was waking up, and so I grabbed my plate and my coffee mug and I ran up the steps, and Amanda was just across the hall washing her hands, and she looked at me, and I think that she thought I was bringing her breakfast and coffee. I'm so sorry, Amanda. Um, But I was just bringing my stuff upstairs so the cats wouldn't eat it, and so that I could get up with the baby and wake him up and get him ready for the day. So um, like I said, I will hustle because I just love those first early morning moments when he's waking up and when we're just getting our day started, it really just starts my whole day off on a nice note. 
Um, and our first Halloween with him was so much fun just a week or two ago. The bat costume that I talked about in the first episode was a huge hit. My wife Amanda and I bundled him up and took him to my parents' house on the 30th to pass out candy there. And then we dressed him up again, poor thing, the next evening to pass out candy in our neighborhood. Of course, he'll have no memory of this whatsoever, but it brought us great joy on one of our favorite holidays. Halloween is actually a pretty big date for Amanda and I because she invited me to go out with her and her friends on Halloween in 2015. And that's where things really took off for us. So I always say the veil between the real world and the magical world was thin that night because for us, sparks flew. I also wanted to share with you something else that has brought me great joy this year. And this is more work and personal related. And that is my planner from a small company called Sacred Ordinary Days. So about this time last year, I noticed a clergy colleague posting pictures of a wonderful planner she had been using. And when I asked what it was, she introduced me to this wonderful tool. Now, I am a planner person. I totally resonated with Leslie Nope when she said one of her hobbies was jamming with her planner because that is me. So I invested in this planner. And I say invested because it does cost about $60, no joke, but it is far more than just my planner. It is my daily devotional. It is my calendar. It is my daily planner and my journal. And when I consider the money I'd put into buying each one of those things, I think that this is actually well worth it cost-wise. And I enjoyed using this book so much this year that I ordered one for the coming year. And last night I took the shrink wrap off. I smelled the pages as I turned them. And I spent some time dreaming about what the pages of the next year will literally hold. This planner has helped me incorporate daily Bible readings into my life, invest in myself a little more and be more intentional with my time organize and plan the priorities of my day, and remind me of the importance of Sabbath and celebrate the liturgical seasons as well. So if you're a nerd like me and also enjoy jamming with your planner and are a person practicing the Christian faith, I highly recommend it. You can check out more about Sacred Ordinary Days at www.sacredordinarydays.com. They have classes that are great resources that I'm just, I want to take them so bad. Um, And you can check out all of their planners and their resources and other things they sell there as well. You can get the planner in a PDF form, I believe. You can get the daily planner, which is what I have. There's a weekly planner. There's just so many options. And it's such a beautiful planner that has become a big part of my everyday life. So like I said, if you are a planner type person, check out Sacred Ordinary Days. Don't wait. Check it out. 
I also want to be real with you on this podcast because that's what I want this podcast to be, an authentic glimpse into the life of a queer mom who is also a pastor. So in the spirit of being totally transparent, the last few weeks have been a challenge. I think this part of pandemic ministry has been the most difficult of all. And I'm pretty sure I've said that about every season in the pandemic thus far. But wow, this season is rough. When I went back to the office after my parental leave was over, that was the first time I'd been back to the office since March of 2020. And while we've transitioned back to in-person worship for those who want to be physically present here, much of our ministry is still happening online. So I will often put in a full day in the office and then come home to online meetings in the evenings after commuting over two hours round trip. And that has been so hard. And I'm still trying to find a balance and keeping boundaries. Most of the time, I'm just doing my best to get from day to day and collapsing at the end of each one. And I'm finding myself so thankful for a colleague and mentor I worked with for a few years named Jeff, who set a great example for me regarding boundaries and ministry, because I think having boundaries is one of the only things keeping me motivated and moving forward these days. That and coffee. I wanted to talk a little bit about heterosexism in this episode. A few years ago, while I was still in seminary and living in the Chicago suburbs, I worked at a small rural church. One morning, our adult education teacher asked me if I knew what heterosexism was and if it was different from homophobia. I drew a blank. I had heard the term heterosexism before, but I didn't really know what it meant. I told her just that and let her know that I'd do some research. Being new to the queer scene and not publicly out yet, I hadn't really experienced any type of heterosexism at that point in my life. So I did the research. Really, I just Googled it. And Google told me that heterosexism is a system of attitudes, bias, and discrimination in favor of male-female sexuality and relationships. It can also include the presumption that other people are heterosexual or that male-female attractions and relationships are the only norm and therefore superior. As I mentioned, living in the closet, I hadn't really experienced much heterosexism myself. And my privilege kept me from seeing it happening to my friends and colleagues. Then I entered into a same-sex relationship and came out publicly. And now I can't not see heterosexism happening all around me. Has that ever happened to you? 
you know something exists or maybe you don't, but then all of a sudden you learn about it and you can't not see it everywhere. That has been my experience with heterosexism. It was particularly prevalent when we were expecting our baby. Amanda would call and ask if I could come into the doctor's appointments with her because COVID. And the person scheduling appointments would tell her that her husband could come in for the ultrasound, but not the doctor appointment. Part of the process of becoming pregnant through a fertility clinic for us was seeing a counselor because the assumption was that we had tried getting pregnant naturally as a hetero couple too many unsuccessful times that we now had to have a sperm donor. And how would we deal with that together? Listen, that is a great resource for people who need it, but it just didn't really make sense for us. And these kinds of things happened over and over and over again over the year or so that we were in this fertility process together. And we were actually part of a major hospital group. It's really, really eye-opening to see how heterosexism is just embedded in our everyday lives. We don't really think about it. Some people don't have to think about it, and that's fine. But I think we can do better. Another example was our instructor for our birthing classes tried very, very hard. And I was so appreciative of that. But I was often considered one of the dads. And when she mentioned that there was a daddy boot camp class for dads to learn how to be the best support to their wives during pregnancy and postpartum, she specified it was a male-only class. Like I said, we can do better than this. My purpose here is never to shame or guilt anyone because so often, like me, these things go unnoticed. Like I said, this stuff is so embedded in our society that we don't even know it happens. No, my aim is always to enlighten and help educate so we can help end the systems of attitudes, bias, and discrimination that affect so many people in the LGBTQIA community today. If you're looking for ways to be more inclusive regarding heterosexism, I think one of the biggest ways to do it is to simply consider your language. It's so easy to change. Instead of asking about someone's wife or husband, you can easily exchange those words for spouse or partner. If you're referring to moms and dads, use parents or guardians instead. In our churches, instead of using the exclusive binary phrase brothers and sisters, we can include everyone by using the term siblings. And if you're creating an opportunity for gender-specific individuals, maybe think about ways you could open it up to include everyone, whether that's including all genders or creating a separate class for other gendered individuals. Let me tell you, supporting my spouse through postpartum days was a challenge. 
having a class to walk me through it with people who were also going through it would have been so helpful to me. Another way we can be more inclusive regarding heterosexism is to educate others. When we all know better, we all do better. At the end of every episode, I answer a question that someone asked over on the Queer Clergy Mom Instagram page. I'll put a question box up on stories, but if you miss stories that day for some reason and have a burning question, always please feel free to DM me. Today's question is, how did you know you were comfortable coming out to your mom? That is a great question. If you haven't already, I invite you to listen to my previous podcast episode where I shared my coming out story. I shared that Amanda and I dated for over a year before I finally came out to my parents and how difficult of a decision that was to make. I think I knew I was comfortable coming out to my mom when I realized I was ready to walk that journey with her. I knew she would have a lot of questions, and I felt like I was in a place where I could step back and answer them honestly and without being defensive. I knew that my mom would be most concerned with my heart and my safety because she's my mom. And so I tried to keep that in mind when I thought about ways she would respond and questions she would ask. I also knew I was comfortable coming out to my mom when I did, because if she didn't want to talk to me for a while, I had a community of friends who would be a great support to me at that time. I also had other trusted adults who I could lean on and friends who would ask me how I was doing every day. And it turns out I needed that even though I came out to my mom and she took it pretty well. If you're trying to figure out how to come out to your parents, you are so brave. And I want you to know that. It is the hardest thing I've ever done. But for me, it was 100% worth it. And I do truly believe that even if it doesn't go well, you are still loved by the one who created you perfectly to be exactly who you are. Until next time, friends, God loves you, and so do I. Take care.